Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, I just want to take a minute. I didn't quite fully explain the situation this morning. The reason we're in the gym, as you saw through the signs, is the power went out uh, in the sanctuary, and only the sanctuary. Uh, And what you need to know about that is we discovered that about 7 o'clock this morning. And so we have an amazing team of people that made worship in this space possible and I just want to invite you, would you take me a moment, uh, take a moment and just give thanks for those folks. Well, I again just want to welcome you. I want to welcome you back to our series called, we've been talking about the last three weeks, how each and every one of us have a calling by God. It's what happens in our faith. God has called each And every one of us, whether we believe it or not, to something that only we can uniquely do. Now, we all share in some common things that we're all called to do, but we are all called by God. And we've been looking at our calling in the context of studying Paul's uh, call. First, we looked at uh, his conversion story the first week. We looked at his first missionary journey, his second missionary journey. Today, we're going to look at his third missionary journey. Bet you didn't see that coming. And so we're going to talk about Paul's third missionary journey. And here's what is interesting about today. His third missionary journey is different than any other of his missionary journeys. And here's why. He had a destination in mind. Paul was headed to Ephesus. He wanted to talk to and build up the church there. It was a, he had stopped in the church in Ephesus and uh, kind of started the church uh, back during his second missionary journey, it's also where he met fellow tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila. And so they've been there building up the church. It's the very same church that he wrote his letter to the Ephesians that we call the book of Ephesians. And so he, and what's also interesting to note about his time in Ephesus, this destination that he's headed to, he spends over two years in Ephesus. That's longer than anywhere else in all three of his journeys that he spends for a a consecutive amount of time. And so he journeys to Ephesus. Now I want to show you what the journey looks like. You can see it up here. It's on the back of your bulletins. Now here's what I want you to know. No matter how big that screen gets, it doesn't exactly tell the story of how far it is from Antioch all the way to Ephesus. Do you see it up there? It's that itty bitty little dot. You see that? And those arrows, if you look down here, you can see zero to 500 kilometers and so I don't do kilometers, but that is a long ways away. He wrote, he, he could have taken a boat from Antioch where he started. Could have taken a boat all the way around to Ephesus. That would have been the easy way, but instead he walked. 
He walked to his destination 736 miles. I don't think y'all heard me. He walked 736 miles, and here's what y'all need to know. Yeah, apparently it caught caught up. Here's what y'all need to know. He was wearing sandals. He was on a dirt path. He was walking through the region of Galatia. Now, these are all churches that he's visited two other times, but he was walking through to visit churches uh, like Derby and Lystra and Iconium and Poseidon, and he went through mountains. He went through treacherous places, but he walked 736 miles. It would be like walking from Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way up to New York City. That's a long way, church. And so, some of you may be thinking, because I know we have some military minds, well, Paul was just being efficient, right? He had started these churches. He needs to make sure that operations are running smoothly, and so he needed to walk that 736 miles to make sure everything was to his pleasing, right? Or maybe some of you are thinking, well, it's part of his strategy. He's going to start a church. He's going to go back through. It's part of his process. It's what he's going to do. I want to invite you to inhabit a different space about why Paul walked that 736 miles when he could have easily taken a boat. You see, I think Paul walked those 736 miles because he loved the people in those churches. And even though he's only going to be there a couple days, he wanted to walk and walk and walk to see them. You see, I think by his third missionary journey, Paul realized something that many of us miss today in our busy, busy lifestyles. Paul realized that ministry happens in the interruptions. And so my first takeaway, our first takeaway this morning is this. Don't miss the journey. Our faith isn't as much as getting to the destination of heaven as it is living through the journey that God has called us through. We can't miss the journey. Ministry happens in the interruptions. Paul didn't miss the journey. He was encouraging these churches. He was reminding them of their deep connectedness to all the other churches. In fact, one of the things that he was doing, he was taking up an offering for the very first church, the church in Jerusalem. They were struggling. They needed help. So he was going along to these churches. He was walking the distance to raise funds, to raise money. And he was reminding them in all of this that in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we were all deeply, deeply connected to one another. And so he wanted to model that for them, to walk with them, to walk to them. You see, that connectedness is not something that he found when he finally reached Ephesus. You know what he found in Ephesus? He found a church that while he was away, Priscilla and Aquila had been caring for, and then this guy named Apollos had come. He was a Jewish Christian. Now, you may have read about Apollos if you've ever read any of uh, Paul's letters. Usually he's given Apollos kind of a hard time because Apollos came and he preached the good news, but not enough of it. You see, he never talked about the Holy Spirit, and the way that he baptized people wasn't even the right way because Apollos didn't have a deep faith. And so Paul arrives to the church uh, in Ephesus. They had already sent Apollos along the way, probably to keep him safe from Paul. But they sent him over to Corinth, the city in Corinth, to encourage the church there. And Paul arrives to find a church without a deep faith. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 19, verses 2 through 7. He, Paul, said to them, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they replied, no, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And then he said, well, then into what were you baptized? And they answered, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who came after him. That's in Jesus. And it goes on in verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they prophesied, spoke in tongues. And altogether, there were about twelve. You see, Paul arrived to find the church in Ephesus claiming to be disciples, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit, about the power of the Holy Spirit, and their faith wasn't even rooted in Christ. So I'm from Texas. I like a good steak. Ribeyes are my favorite because they're fatty and terrible for you. Could you imagine taking a a delicious, a delicious ribeye? My mouth's wide, and and you don't even throw it on the grill. You just serve it. That would be awful, wouldn't it? Right? It's like taking a steak and not putting it on the grill. There's no fire. There's no power. There's no taste. You see, one of the errors we make when we read the Acts of the Apostles is we believe that for the first few chapters, the Apostle Peter is the main character. And then we go on and we see this guy Saul and we start learning about his story and he becomes Paul. And so we think, okay, wait, maybe Paul is the main character in the Acts of the Apostles. But that's not true. You see, the main character in the Acts of the Apostles is actually the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I were to rename the book, they didn't ask me. It would be the acts of the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who's truly building up the church. And so the problem we face in our modern context, in our modern church today, is that many of us have knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Y'all all have heard of the Holy Spirit, amen? All right, good, I'm doing my job, great, okay, all right. But if I'm being completely honest, many of us, especially in America, We don't fully understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't understand what the Holy Spirit does. So here's what I would say. The Holy Spirit does a whole lot. The Holy Spirit works in and through us in a number of different ways. But for our purposes today, there are two functions the Holy Spirit performs in our lives. Two primary functions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects us. And the Holy Spirit focuses us. So our second takeaway is that the Holy Spirit connects us to one another. You see, today there are Christians worshiping halfway across the world. There are brothers and sisters because we are connected to God and to one another by the power of the Holy Spirit. It deeply connects us. And the Holy Spirit focuses us on what matters. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit and helps us to understand and focus on what really matters. So one of the words used to describe the Holy Spirit is the word paraclete. Para means alongside. Kletos means to be called. So to be so called to be alongside. In other words, another way to talk about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit fills the space between us when we can't touch each other. The Holy Spirit deeply connects us to one another. So Filled with the Holy Spirit, the church in Ephesus began to grow, and man, they were growing like wildfire. 
Paul spent uh, over two years there building up the church in Ephesus. Then he begins to send out missionaries and pastors to go and tend to churches that he had already started and to start new ones. And all of a sudden, the believers in Ephesus were deeply connected to all the other churches in the world. In fact, he also sends out Priscilla and Aquila. He sends them to Rome. Rome is where we get his letter to the Romans. While he's in Ephesus with the Ephesians, he writes the letter to the Romans, which is one of the best theological books we have as Christians. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he writes to the church in Rome, and he said, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. We're all connected. The Holy Spirit connects us. It's also interesting to note, when Paul arrived in Ephesus, he went directly to the synagogue. He started evangelizing. He did that for for as long as he could. And eventually, the Jewish leaders in the synagogue started to give him such a hard time that he could no longer evangelize there. So he went over and he rented out a lecture hall. And he, he continued to evangelize there, but he also trained up pastors. He trained up the missionaries that he would send out. And so you could argue that it's in Ephesus that the very first seminary the training ground for pastors, started. What you should also know is that eventually that seminary moved to Durham, North Carolina. It's at Duke, where I went to seminary. That's not true. But I couldn't help but make that joke. It was a bad one. The Holy Spirit connects us. And the Holy Spirit focuses us. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, It is that very Spirit, bearing witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. You see, as an advocate, as a counselor, the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirits so that we can talk to God. You see, it's through Jesus Christ that we're able to talk to God in the first place, but the Holy Spirit helps us to talk to God in the way that we should, gives us the words when we pray, the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to talk about God and Jesus to, to everybody around us. In fact, when we pray, Often, we don't have no clue what we're going to say, but God shows up. That's the Holy Spirit giving us the words to say when we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. In fact, you'll read in Acts that the apostles, they didn't have the words, they didn't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit got them out of tight spot after tight spot because it gave them the words, gave them the ability to share the good news. Now, the Holy Spirit helps to focus us. So, there's another thing that, uh, another important aspect about Paul's time in Ephesus, and it deals with the economy. You see, Paul was uh, working in a place that, if you can imagine, throughout Rome and all the provinces of the Greco-Roman Empire, there, there were a lot of gods and goddesses that were worshipped. And throughout the Greco-Roman Empire, they knew that Ephesus was the spot where the goddess Artemis was. Now, in Ephesus, Artemis was a fertility goddess. And so if you had crops or if you had a marriage that you needed help with, you would go to the goddess Artemis. And so as you can imagine, uh, the temple itself actually was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and it became a tourist attraction. People would come there from all over. They would come to visit the goddess Artemis. And so if you can imagine, there were a lot of jobs. The economy, in some respects, were propped up by this tourist industry that was all about this goddess, Artemis. 
And, and so they would sell things like shrines. They would sell things like incantations and, and other things to help you worship Artemis. And for instance, you can make a lot of money selling an incantation. It's a little scroll with a phrase on it that you would say and it would fix whatever problem you have. And there were lots of sorcerers that would help you to do that. So after Paul preached a sermon about Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and how meaningless things like incantations are in our lives, this is what Scripture says in Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. Many of those who believed and now, now, came, open, now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. To give you an idea, a drachma is a day's wage. In America today, a day's wage is about $100, give or take, depending on where you live and what kind of work you do, but it's about $100 on average. And so if you were to take 50,000 drachmas in our world today and burn them, $50,000 worth, drachmas worth, it would be the equivalent of $5 million burned that day. Why? Well, the sorcerers who had the incantation realized how meaningless they were. They didn't, they didn't sell them. They didn't give them away. They burned them because they had no power. They had no meaning. You see, the Holy Spirit focuses us on what really matters in our lives. Well, people eventually noticed, and some of, the, some of those who weren't happy with what Paul was doing because their industry was suffering, took Paul, they beat him, and they dragged him to the theater. They were trying to kill him, and all of a sudden, an official shows up, stops the whole thing, saves Paul's life. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us to focus on what really matters in our lives. It was June, or January rather, 2016. My wife Melissa and I, we bought our very first house. It's actually, it's the best commute in the world. I think it's about three minutes that way, right? In Embry Mill. We've uh, lived there for over uh, two years, obviously. And, and we spent a lot of time uh, in those first couple years and energy and money going out and buying furniture, buying nice pictures, buying blankets and pillows and things that we could to fill the house, to make it a home. Now, we're not rich by any means or any stretch of the imagination, but we put a lot of care, a lot of time, a lot of focus and attention in our house. Fast forward two years later, it was four days before our son Liam turned three. We're going to have a big birthday party for him at our house, our newly completed house with all the stuff that was in it. Well, that's when the floods came. You see, it was in March of this year, and we came home. It was raining on the first floor of our three-story townhome. Something in my brain said, that's not right. <laughs> I went to the third floor. It turns out that it was coming uh, from the bathroom up there, and so we fixed it. We got out of there, but what I want you to know is that everything, everything, everything in our home from the second floor and the first floor were soaked, and most of it was ruined. Now, here's the thing. Praise God for good insurance. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what you need to know is we were displaced for about six weeks in a hotel, in a very small 350-square-foot hotel, with a three-year-old 
who has a bedtime at 7.30. We shared a room together. Church, it was a difficult time in our lives. I want you to know that. But I also want you to know it wasn't as difficult as it could have been. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit, it had deeply connected us to many of you. Many of you showed up with food, with meals. You showed up. You cried with us. Not with me. I don't cry. But you, you cried with us. You laughed with us. You walked with us through a very difficult part of our lives. Do you know what else happened? Holy Spirit showed up in a mighty way to focus our attention on what really matters. And the meaninglessness, all the meaningless things in our lives, they burned away. We didn't need them. And I think back to the story, to Jesus' story, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and He ends it in chapter 7, and He says, Anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind beat and blew against the house. But it didn't fall. You see, when our faith foundation is built by the power of the Holy Spirit and on the solid words of Jesus Christ, we discover in our lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the true meaning of our lives, what really matters. And the meaninglessness fades away. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go out and we burn our possessions or we flood our house or we quit our jobs. On the contrary, I believe that God can use us no matter where we are and whatever setting we are. But here's my warning for all of us. With all the things that we find ourselves surrounded by, I want to invite you to pay attention to the power that they hold over you. And here's what I would say. If you find yourself held hostage by the power of the meaningless things in our lives and not by the power of the Holy Spirit at working freely within you, then I would argue that you've got it wrong. And I would invite you to let go of those meaningless things and to find a new way for the Holy Spirit to work powerfully within you. The Holy Spirit connects us. The Holy Spirit focuses us. So after two years in Ephesus, uh, Paul leaves the Ephesians. He goes up to Trials. He takes a ship over to Philippi, travels through Macedonia. You can see on the map. And then he goes to Corinth. Now, Apollos has been there, and, and Paul had to fix everything that Apollos messed up in Ephesus. So he spends three months in Corinth, I think, fixing everything that Apollos messed up. And here's why I say that. We can find ourselves in our lives, and I think many of us have had this, we have people who have poured into our lives who claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, but their faith isn't deep. And so they instruct us and they tell us these, these pithy sayings that no longer hold weight in our lives. And my point is this, if we don't have people in our lives who have a deep faith that are helping us along the way, whether it's a pastor or a leader or a mentor, if they don't have a deep faith, then friends, I would challenge us to find somebody who does so that we might own our faith for ourselves so that we might become somebody with deep faith who's pouring into the lives of others as it's part of our calling. Then Paul leaves Corinth, travels back up through Macedonia, takes a ship over to Trous, and then he takes a ship and travels through all these little cities on the way and eventually makes his way back to Jerusalem. But I want to talk about this town, Miletus. It's spelled Miletus. I don't know why they didn't get it right for us, right? Miletus, Miletus rather, is 
just below Ephesus. Paul stops there on his way home to Jerusalem and, and he calls out all the Ephesians, the Christian Ephesians, and they walk down from Ephesus and they meet him and he tells them how thankful he is to God for them. He encourages them along the way and he tells them, look, I'm heading back to Jerusalem. I'm probably going to get persecuted. Most likely I'm going to get killed for my faith. And here's what I want to tell you. I'm never going to see you again. And this is what he goes on to say in Acts chapter 20, 36 through 38. When he had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them. They embraced one another. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he said that he would not see him, that they would not see him again. And they brought him to the ship. They gave him that old Midwest goodbye, right? They walked him right to the ship, and I could just see him on the shore waving as he left. This is my favorite part of all three of Paul's missionary journeys because this was the moment I think that sums it all up. Paul suffered with illness, he suffered with wounds, and with the amount that he walked and traveled, he must have suffered exhaustion traveling to all these different places. But he kept going. He was like the energizer bunny because he never lost sight that people are the mission. You see, here's what I know. Here's, what, here's why that matters for us today. Because many of us live lives of total exhaustion. We're going from one destination to the next, to the next, to the next. I've got to get to this meeting. I've got to drop my kids off at this place. We are traveling like it's going out of style. Y'all feel me? Are you with me, church? And so we find ourselves in these moments and people come and they interrupt us and they're annoying and they get in our way and we got to get somewhere, right? But we forget that people are the mission, that ministry happens in the interruptions, that the Holy Spirit connects us, focuses us on what matters. And so my final takeaway is this, don't forget that people are the mission. Invest, invest, invest in the people around you. See, the reality is we all have a Paul in our lives, somebody who poured their faith into us, and it's our calling to do the same for others. We need to remember that people are the mission. And here's the good news, church. We don't have to travel to faraway places. We don't have to walk 736 miles in sandals to fulfill the mission of our calling. We are surrounded by people desperate to experience the connection and focus that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Invest in the people around us. Alright, here's what I know. What I know is this. Ebenezer, more, more than that, Stafford County is a transient population. Would you agree? We have a lot of folks that come in and out. And many of you know that in the next few years you're going to be gone because you can't afford to retire here. You're going to go to somewhere cheaper where there's no snow. Some of you are going to find a better job somewhere. But here's the other thing that I know. Some of you know that just like Paul, when he was in Ephesus, he knew he was going to be there for two years. You know that in two years, you're going to PCS somewhere else to another place. I just want to ask a question. What would it look like if you invested? I mean, with all that you had in the people around you. What would Stafford County look like how might it look different if our everyday destinations were more than just a place to get to, but we refuse to miss the journey that ministry happens in the interruptions? What would Ebenezer Church look like 
If we embrace the real power of the Holy Spirit and we remembered that we are deeply connected, we need that connection to God and each other, and we focused on the things that mattered in our lives and the meaninglessness burns away. What would our neighborhood look like if we looked around and we didn't just see a bunch of people who lived close to us, but we saw people who we were called to invest in their lives and they were our own personal mission for discipleship. And I know that can happen here because some of y'all are here because your entire block was ministered to by one particular person. We've got to invest in the lives of the people around us. May we live our lives in such a way that people will walk miles to come and meet us to say goodbye when it's our time to leave. That they'll cry with us. That they'll pray over us because ministry happened in the interruptions. The Holy Spirit deeply connected us and helped to focus us on what matters because we never lost sight that people, that people are the mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the grace You give us through Jesus Christ. We praise You for the power of Your Holy Spirit at work within our lives and within our church, within our community. We simply pray, Lord, that we would not see our lives as a series of destinations, of places to get to, but we would remember that ministry happens in the interruptions. Lord, that we would remember that there is real power in the Holy Spirit to connect us to God and to each other and to help to focus us on what really matters. And finally, Lord, we pray that in all this, You would give us the strength to remember that people are the mission. Give us new eyes to see, a heart after Your own heart, and the strength to go where You call us. We pray all of this in the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said,